Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we are talking about living stones. And we are talking about how those living stones are to be lived out from our lives. We recognize that the living stones that we have are not brick and mortar. They're, they're not just 1625 Capitol Avenue Northeast, but living stones. That was supposed to come on. There we go. Living stones. Little kids, living stones. Sunday school, ABF, living stones. New members, living stones. Living stones around us as we understand that we together are to be these living stones. We've looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, where we understand that there was a living stone who was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, and that we also as living stones are to build up a spiritual sacrifice, a holy priesthood to offer up these sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Living stones in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1 begins, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. Elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sacrifice, sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, for the sprinkling of His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied. Elect exiles. Those who are sojourners, those who are struggling, those who in a very special way understood that they were not at home. This old bag is kind of special to me because it brings back a lot of memories. This is older than Matt Kirkland. We found that out this morning. Back in the late 70s, a fellow youth pastor by the name of Dale Christian, how's that for a name for a youth pastor? And I headed up the wilderness camp in the state of Indiana. And every July, we would take around 15 young men out into a rather desolate place for Indiana. And we would learn skills, and we would learn truth, and we would share together. We'd pick them up at a bus. And our first stop was a little country store, and we would hand them a piece of paper that made suggestions about foodstuffs they might want to eat for the week. We gave them money. And they went in and bought what they were going to eat for that week. It was interesting. Some thought they could live on candy bars and Coke. The reality was that whatever they bought, they had to put in their backpack and carry. The newbies found out that Coke was not a good decision. And so we hiked about 10 miles into our camping spot. The tents had already been set up, and we shared together. And then we had some instruction, and part of the instruction had to do with this little bag. Because this little bag was the survival kit. This was before cell phones. 
And in this little bag were some numbers, should there be an emergency. There were some medical supplies. There were some things that would would help us should somebody get into trouble that week. And everybody knew it, and we hung it where everybody could get to it. Because we wanted not only to survive, we wanted to thrive that week. Now, I, I need to tell you that in the five or six years that we did wilderness camp, nobody got into this bag for an emergency, and God was gracious to us. We did rock climbing. We did canoeing. We did all kinds of outdoor activities that uh, none of us were very proficient at. And God was gracious to us. Peter is writing to a group of people. A group of people that have hiked into the wilderness. Who have discovered that, that things aren't always rosy. But they're elect by God. And Peter begins his epistle... By helping us understand some truths that will help us thrive even when we're just trying to survive. This morning I'm going to share the first of those truths with you out of verses 1 and 2. And then next week we'll get into verses 3, 4, and 5 and we'll share the the rest of these truths. The first truth is this. We are sanctified saints. Did you note that in the text? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God, in the sanctification of the Spirit. Now, if you were to read all of 1 Peter, you would find that these folks are described in a number of different ways. They're described as living stones. They're described as a chosen generation. They're described as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. They're described as those who God has called out of darkness into his marvelous light. They are described as the people of God. And when you're trying to survive, I want you to understand who you are. Because it's very important to recognize that you are sanctified in the Spirit of God. God has set you aside for His very, very own. And that should encourage you this morning. God has a purpose for your life. And God understands the beginning from the end and everything in between. And God is able to put it all together for His glory and your good. Amen? But it starts with understanding that God has set us apart for his purpose. You need to know who you are. You also need to know whose you are. You are a child to God and you belong to him. Amen? I mean, he did make this purchase, right? We could go down in chapter 1 and we would find out that we are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot you know what god paid for you the blood of his son jesus christ there is no greater price that could have been paid you talk about priceless god sent his son to die for you to die for me to die for the world and we are purchased with that blood 
You probably didn't notice, but I have a new wedding ring this morning. My son, Joshua, lost his some time ago. And his wife has been encouraging him to get an identification to put on his finger. You understand? He talked about getting a tattoo on his finger because it would never come off. Then he decided that hurt too much. I told him, Josh, marriage just hurts sometimes. So he went online and he found, he found some rings, titanium. He said, hey, Dad, would you like a new wedding ring? And I thought, if this will help him to get his, I'll get a new one. Uh, just so you know, my other one had diamonds in it and Connie's now wearing it. So she gets the bobble. It reminds me of who I am and who I belong to. And we are the children of God, the living stones. Even though we are sojourners and even though we are strangers and even though we're in the wilderness someplace, I want you to know that God does not forget about you. And God has a purpose in mind for now it says here, sanctified in the Spirit. May I remind you what the Spirit of God does in our lives? It's the Spirit of God who quickens us, according to Ephesians. It is the Spirit of God, according to John's Gospel, that teaches us all things and brings things to our mind, our remembrance. It's the Spirit of God who indwells us. It's the Spirit of God who protects us. It's the Spirit of God who convicts this world of sin and righteousness and judgment. It's the Spirit of God that moved in holy men of God to give to us the Word of God. We are sanctified by the Spirit. Now, very quickly, I just remind you that sanctification has a couple of different parts. Sanctification is positional. We are placed in the body of Christ. Sanctification is permanent. One day we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Amen? Hey, Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody get excited about that, will you? And sanctification is progressive. We are to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter wrote that. And Peter wrote, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. What Peter is attempting to teach us is that we are strangers in this world and even though that, we are to be separate from this evil world system, which is in total opposition of the things of the Spirit. We are sanctified saints. We just happen to be living in exile. It's okay. But not only are we sanctified saints, we also have trusted God's grace and peace. Did you note that at the end of verse 2? Peter writes, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, we certainly can talk about grace because grace is so important in the Christian life. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Amen. For the grace of God that brings salvation 
has appeared to all men. Titus chapter 2. Amen? And Paul said, his grace is sufficient for me. Now, you know what grace is, don't you? May I use an acrostic? G-R-A-C-E. You've seen it. God's riches at Christ's expense. God giving to us what we do not deserve. God providing everything that is necessary for us to have an abundant life. That's God's grace. You ever had anybody be gracious to you? Isn't that a wonderful thing? I love gracious people. We drove over to Rochester yesterday, coming on an on-ramp, and there was a truck to my left. He got out of my way. He was four times bigger than I was, but he got out of my way. I thought, that's grace. Thank you. But think about the grace of God, will you? And it's the grace of God that changes everything in our lives. And as long as you and I understand that God, in his grace, is giving to us everything that is necessary for life and living, even though we don't deserve it, we can thrive because it's all about God. Amen? And peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. I said this last week. Peace is confidence in the conflict. Now, what kind of confidence do you have in God? Do you have the confidence that he will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Amen? Do you have the confidence that he'll never leave you nor forsake you? Do you have the confidence that there is no temptation taking you but as such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way out and he'll help you carry the load Do you have the confidence that he's coming again? Do you have the confidence that this world is temporary? Do you have the confidence that our God knows tomorrow, and if we will seek him first in his kingdom today, everything we need will be added unto us. Amen? That's grace. That's peace. And here's the truth. God has given to us everything that we need. All of the tools that are ours. Necessary for life and living to thrive and not just survive. God's given each and every one of us all that we need in order to be the kind of people he wants us to be. That ought to encourage you this morning. Amen. But not only have we trusted God's grace. In order to thrive, we must be obedient. Obedient to Jesus. Did you notice verse 2? We kind of skipped over it. Sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood. Obedience. When you're in a survival situation, you need to make sure you're always following the rules. And there are some rules. I found some of them for survival. 
There's a book out, How to Survive Almost Anything. And, and here are some of those rules. I, I, I like the acrostic, don't you? Huh? Size up the situation. I mean, this is not rocket science. Size up the situation. Undo haste makes waste. Remember where you are. Vanquish fear and panic. Improvise, right? Part of life. Value living. Woohoo! The abundant life. It's great, isn't it? Act like natives, even though you're exiled. And live by your wits. Now, I'm not sure how biblical those last two are, but. All right? Here, here's the point. If we're going to thrive, we need to follow the rules. And God has given to us rules by which to live our lives. And we can depend upon these rules to help us. Now, it begins by saying obedient to Jesus Christ. The gospel is not just for intellectual effect. Christianity is not faith without works because James says faith without works is dead. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, we're told, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Conversion is is submission and obedience. Peter talks about that in chapter 1. Jump over to verse 14, will you please? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Jump down to verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of See, God has given to us the privilege of obedience. In fact, Peter's going to tell us here that we should follow in his steps. John says it this way, He that saith he abided in him ought also to walk as Jesus walked. There is no better way to walk than how Jesus walked. Was it an easy walk? No. Was it a walk of survival in some ways? Did he thrive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you and I need to understand that. And so our first three tools is to understand that we are sanctified saints even though we're living in exile, that we can trust God's faithfulness in his grace and his peace, and we can recognize that our responsibility is simply to obey Jesus. That's it. It's not a complicated thing. Obey Jesus. If you want to thrive, 
not just survive? Here's where you begin. Here's where Peter began. Now next week, we're going to look beginning with verse 3. And we will discover three more tools that are necessary for our survival. But while we do that, let, let me just help you understand something about this next section of Scripture. Verses 3 through 12 is one sentence in the Greek. All right? And in that sentence, we are going to understand that the end of this whole thing ends with our inheritance. That we need to have endurance toward heaven and the example that we have been given is the prophets and that we can thrive, just not survive. And all God's people said, let's pray together. Father, thank you for truth, your word which is true, and the opportunity we have to live it out in our lives. Lord, help us to stay focused. Help us to lay aside weights sin that so easily entangles us and help us to run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Father, we love you and we thank you that nothing will ever separate us from your love because you've already demonstrated it as you sent your son to die for our sins. And it's in his name we pray.